podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Basketball's coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Scott's making a list. Grant's checking it twice. They're gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. It is Scott Wildcat, it is Chauncey Bosco, the Wonder Puff, the best dog in the entire world, coming to you from the Shawnee, Kansas studios to talk about the 14th, 14th straight victory over the Kansas Jayhawks and a berth in the Big 12 championship game, getting that rematch that we have all been waiting for. With the TCU Horn Frogs. I tell you what, folks, I am absolutely pumped. Absolutely pumped. Before we get into the show, again, uh, just macro talk. Um, and I'll talk about this game specifically, but the rivalry between K State and KU. <sighs> they want to talk about. All-time series, all that type of shit, which is fine. Um, I, I And I want to give a shout-out to Brogan Berry, who did this research. Shout-out to Brogan Berry, a Topeka Cat, Kansas State alum, future doctor, special teams ace for the Wildcats. You have had to be born in 1948 now to have seen more victories by the Jayhawks than the Wildcats. Let that sink in. 1948. With this win, with 14, 14 straight, this now extends out the longest ever winning streak in the history of this rivalry. The last 14 years are the most dominant stretch in the Sunflower Showdown in the history of the game. KU fans want to remind us that, oh yeah, they were really good. They beat our ass back in before World War One. Before World War One, they sure owned the series, but they never won 14 straight. The last 14 years have been the most dominant stretch in this rivalry. And the only thing that comes close was the 11-game winning streak that Bill Snyder had. KU isn't even close. They've never been this dominant in this rivalry. So I just want to make sure that that is well known before we even get started. Now before we talk about this game specifically, Remember, we're sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company. I was able to get into Manhattan Brewing Company before the game. Had a couple great brews, including their house-divided Schwarz beer. I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's like a German dark beer. Super crisp, super light, absolutely delicious. Had the Tang Party uh, IPA in honor of Coach Jerome Tang. They have their Christmas decorations up. Folks, Manhattan Brewing Company is the spot. I'm going to be there so much before uh, K-State men's basketball games this year. And you will love it. I promise you, there's a beer you will love on tap. The most fresh and most delicious beer 
in the state resides right there at Manhattan Brewing Company. All right, let's get into this. This was an ass-kicking. This was a 20-point victory, and KU did not even get within a possession after the 4-11 mark. KU fans are going to try to go on Twitter. Uh, You know, there's going to be people in the Kansas City media. There's going to be folks who just kind of kind of watched along and they're like, oh, you know, it was kind of close. They're grading on a curve. This game, for anyone who says it's close, is grading on the KU-K-State curve where KU doesn't even typically show up to the game. KU typically is not even a participant in the game. And because, hey, they kept it around nine points for most of the first quarter or for first half. Oh, yeah, only down nine points. That is the bar to clear to say, oh, it was a close game and still lose by 20. K-State still covers with ease. This game wasn't close, and don't let any KU fan try to tell you that the two programs are close because they're not. Now, in the new age of college football, a lot of stuff can happen and a lot of stuff can happen fast. I get that. I'm not going to sit here uh, today and say, yeah, we're going to beat them by 25 in their house next year. No, I'm not going to do that. I have no idea what the two teams are going to look like. But for this year, 2022, these programs still are not close. They are not close at all. There's a reason why one of the the teams jumped on the easy end of their schedule and now they sputtered towards the end and they're going to be playing in probably the Liberty Bowl. And then there's a reason why one of these programs is going to play for a Big 12 title. There's a reason why one of these programs is a top 10 team. There's a reason why one of these teams is going to be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Congrats to KU for having the best season they've had in over a decade, but they're still not close. And if any KU fan or any media member or anyone tries to tell you different, you can laugh at them. This was a game where K-State maybe played a B-minus game. Maybe. And that is being generous. That is being a generous grader. A B-minus game, and they still... Pump them for 20 points. And never once after the 411 mark in the second or in the first quarter. In the first quarter, did it get closer than a singular possession? So I absolutely loved it. I had a blast. Yes, it was wet. Yes, it was cold. Uh, but I, I just had a, a great time. Final game at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Always love senior night. Love seeing some of those seniors show out. Let's talk about the offense um, because uh, that's where we start the uh, preview. I thought it was fine. Like I I said, uh, like I talked about, it was about across the board a C-plus to B-minus type game. Um, I, I thought that Colin Klein at points kind of had trouble getting rhythm going. But we were able to come up with big plays. We were able to dial up some great plays. Um, and as a whole, I think for the most part, in big time moments, we were able to execute. As a whole, the offense, for the most part, uh, was able to get the big plays when needed, to keep drives going, to ice out the game late. Um, and that was important. Now, I think we saw in the second half... Um, Well, actually, it was really a tale of two halves. The passing game, big plays, really got going in the first half. 213 yards. But then when you flip to the second half, not a single passing yard. I think we only attempted three total passes in the second half. I think so. At least I think I have my my stats correct. And in the first half, we struggled to run the ball. We struggled to get stuff going. But then in the, in the second half, we completely iced out the game, running the ball the entire second half. It was truly a tale of two halves. And honestly, I love it. I absolutely love it. 
Um, there, there's nothing to take away. Um, it was amazing. Oh, and, and, and again, the, the team stats. Sorry. I, I'm so freaking jazzed. It's probably because of the amount of coffee I've drank uh, basically since Thanksgiving. I'm all hopped up. I am just over the moon pumped up. Total yards, 443 to 307. Yeah, not close at all. Passing 213 to 180. Rushing 230 to 127. K-State, six penalties for 54 yards. KU, five for 25. K-State, one turnover. KU, two turnovers. KU, 31 minutes of uh, possession. K-State, 29. At one point, it was very, very much in the favor of KU. But again, we iced it it out. Um, What, the final... Final drive, uh, we had two drives in the final, our final two drives, touchdown drive of four minutes, 44 seconds, and then we iced it out with uh, four uh, minutes, 10. Just absolutely iced, iced the game out. Uh, but yeah, offense, I, I, I thought that um, it, it was interesting because some of what Colin Klein does great is passing to set up the run and running to set up the pass. It was interesting that it really was a tale of two halves. It was, okay, we can't get the running game going. We're going to go for 213 yards in the first half. And in the second half, it's like, okay, they're not stopping the run. We're just going to run. So it is always interesting to see games with that stark dynamic. I don't think there's ever been a game where there has been such a difference in what aspect of the offense is more productive one half to the other. I think that is completely unique, and I don't think we've ever seen it. Let's get into talking about the individual position groups, and let's start with Will Howard. Now, uh, again, I'm going to specifically focus on the first half because, for the most part, again, outside of the uh, three passing attempts in the first or in the second half, um, I'm not going to take away much um, from Will Howard's game. Although he did have a great run to pick up a first down uh, in that second half. So uh, credit to Will on that run. But let's focus on that first half. Because um, this is where I think Will Howard is infinitely different than any quarterback we've seen. I mean, what? Maybe since Jake Waters? But even, I, I think, Jake, you know, probably since Jake Waters, uh, where he has no interest in scrambling. He has zero interest in scrambling. Um, when the pocket breaks down, he wants to step up. He wants to stay alive. You can see him out there directing traffic, trying to find a broken up type play and to set up a big play with his arm. Um, specifically, one specific play, um, he's trying to direct traffic, and really he's trying to find uh, Malik Knowles, tell Malik Knowles where he wants him to go. Um, that doesn't happen, but he finds Phillip Brooks, all of which I think he could have taken off and run and picked up you know, 10 yards, but he gets a pass for 15. I think of the touchdown pass to Sammy Wheeler, where he's scrambling, he's kind of rolling out, rolling out, Um, And he's always keeping his eyes upfield. He finally sets his feet, finds Sammy Wheeler, uncorks it, and boom. We're in the end zone. That is something that I absolutely love about Will Howard. And it is a dynamic we have not seen in so long. At the same time, and, and this is more on the second fumble that he had that we did not recover than the first I do think he is prone to then hold on to the ball and always have it in a throwing position, which then sets you up to possibly uh, get strip sacked, to fumble the ball. Again, we've only seen it a handful of times, and it happened twice on Saturday. So I don't think of this as a massive issue, but it is something to keep an eye on in this Big 12 championship game, hopefully Sugar Bowl, and then next year as well. I think you take the good with the bad there because we've seen some of the biggest home run plays come from him keeping the uh, you know the play alive, staying in the pocket, being ready to uncork a ball uh, when the wide receiver beats his man or they, they lose a man and a big play happens. 
I would like to see him, and if I if I'm being if if I was forced to be critical, I'd like to see him kind of develop that sixth sense that some quarterbacks seem to have. That hey, I feel the pressure coming from my backside. It is time to tuck the ball in and I try to pick up a yard or two, or just not fumble the ball. You know, the the first fumble they got him when he was trying to pass. Um, not much he can do there. It's really that second one. Um, and the defense stepped up and made it so that wasn't a critical turnover. But all in all, solid game from Will Howard. That first half, like I said, you have some of these massive plays that are all due to him. Will Howard keeping his feet alive, keeping his eyes downfield, and just being patient, trusting the offensive line, and trusting the wide receivers. I don't think he really had any of those highlight you know, thread-a-needle throws that we've seen the last couple weeks, which is fine. He, I, I will take that sort of first half, every first half, for rest of uh, Will Howard's career. Being able to stay alive, being able to marshal it, being able to stand up in the face of pressure, stay true, and then get that screen pass off to Deuce Vaughn that he takes for 80 yards on a third and 12. Will Howard has poise and confidence and belief in himself and his teammates at a level that I did not think we were ever going to see after uh, you know the Will Howard experiment the previous two years. He talks all the time about how the game is starting to slow down for him. Well, you can truly see that. It's not just football talk. It's not just coach speak. You can truly see him having confidence and saying, hey, the game is not moving 100 miles an hour anymore. And it is it has made all the difference. People way smarter than me, football people way smarter than me, have always said, Will Howard has the tools to be an eventual, eventual NFL draft pick quarterback. It's all about him being able to keep the composure and have the game slow down for him. And I think we're starting to see that. We've seen Will Howard be the big play machine when we need him to be. And then we've seen, you know, especially once we get up to some of these leads, we've seen him also go game manager and get us to the end. And I love that for Will Howard. I love that about Will Howard. I, I'm just super happy for the kid. And he might go down in the history books. Might go down the history books being the third quarterback to lift a Big 12 championship trophy for K-State. Um, his final stat line, uh, Will Howard, 11 for 21 passing. Again, and, and I'll say this. The the one thing, one other thing I'll be critical of, um, we did not have it on some of those uh, quick uh, tunnel screens out to the wide receivers. Those got batted away twice. I'd almost like to see him just toss that out of bounds instead, but it, it is what it is. Uh, but... Just under or just over 50% completion rate, but 213 yards, 10.1 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, and then running the ball uh, four for two. He had, uh, you know, he got sacked a couple times, uh, took a, uh, a knee, um, and he did have that long of six, which got him um, a first down, a massive first down. So good game. From Will Howard. Let's get next into the running backs. Um, Deuce Vaughn had his best, you know, two pronged game um, of the season, going for over 220 yards. I think it was 229 um, yards with one touchdown. Had two receptions for 82 yards, including that 80 yard screen pass on third and 12, and 147 yards on 25 carries, good for 5.9. Uh, yards uh, as well as a touchdown. I mean, what 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 can we say that hasn't already been said? We've been saying it all season long about how we need to cherish every game we get with Deuce Vaughn. We're getting at least one. I hope he plays in the bowl game uh, before he goes off. I I am pretty confident. I would bet a lot of money that that was Deuce Vaughn's final game. In Bill Snyder Family Stadium. And what a game to go out on. It really is kind of vintage Deuce Vaughn. Where he has a couple home run plays. He gets into the end zone. And he's just super 
gritty. The amount of tackles that this guy hit uh, has, and again, I'm not saying necessarily cheap shots by the defense, but they're picking him up, they're tossing him down, and again, due to his size, uh, he, he finds himself in situations where, yeah, uh, th- there are some of these defenders who just straight up try to body slam him. And what does he do? He just gets up, dusts himself off, and gets going again. This guy is an absolute machine. The beating he he takes, he just gets up and makes another big play right when you need him. Um, the touchdown he scored, great play by Colin Klein. Absolute. That was his best play call of the game. You know, you have the big personnel. You have it all stacked up. And what do you do? Hard step down, a down block for the entire offensive line, seal block on the edge, toss out to Deuce Vaughn, and he just trots into the end zone. Absolute masterclass of a play, and just an elite game for Deuce Vaughn. Over 140 yards uh, rushing, over 80 yards receiving. It just puts a smile on my face. I hope we get... Some Deuce Vaughn magic down in Arlington. He had a nice little game for himself versus Stanford in that stadium. So hopefully he keeps it going. I just loved that game from Deuce Vaughn. Absolute, just vintage, truly vintage Deuce Vaughn. Let's go to DJ Giddens. DJ Giddens also uh, had himself a pretty good game. Nine carries, 44 yards, got in the end zone on that 11-yard uh Carry also had a eight-yard reception for a first down. It this was kind of like the perfect balance of the game. Again, Deuce Vaughn getting 25 carries, DJ Giddens getting nine, and we'll talk about Malik Knowles and his three carries later. But I loved the distribution. I loved getting DJ his carries. And again, the guy has a nose for the end zone. You give him a carry inside the 20. This guy is going to try to score. He runs hard. He runs violently. And he knows how to pick a hole. He picks a hole and he is running hard. So this guy gets back into the end zone. DJ the Blue Jay Giddens. He was the lone Kansan to score versus... The, no, that's that's a lie. Sammy Wheeler scored. Um, but he, he uh, was able to get into the end zone. He's a Kansas kid. He's from Junction City. I've loved watching DJ Giddens all season long. And I think the Blue Jay product is going to have a massive season next year. I think we probably will see him make at least one big-time play, whether it's getting in the end zone, whether it's picking up a first down, whether it's picking up a big-time block because we're starting to see more snaps with him and Deuce Vaughn out there. I think in the Big 12 championship game, DJ Giddens is going to have at least one massive, massive play. So shout out to DJ Giddens. Let's get to the tight ends and fullbacks. And, I mean, look. Benson has been the guy. And he had one catch for 11 yards. Um, and and I'll, I'll say this. Benson made a couple blocks on Saturday um, that, that were some of the finest blocks he's had all season. I, I think sometimes he struggles uh, either having the home run block or sustaining just a basic block. But there were a couple times on some of these big plays for Deuce Vaughn and uh, DJ Giddens that he was able to link up and get that block and help spring it loose. But the, uh, you know, the senior, the Kansas kid, the final Bill Snyder quarterback recruit, Sammy Wheeler, with the absolute big play touchdown, 41 yard, 42 yard touchdown. That one reception had him at number two in receiving for the day. And again, I, I want to give credit to Wheeler. Um, the play, I think, probably breaks down. I don't think that was the play call. Um, it could be. Again, I don't have the all 22. I don't have the play call in my ear. I'm not sure what that was supposed to be, but it seemed like Will Howard was trying to stay alive and Sammy Wheeler was able to get behind the zone coverage and just get there and wait for that ball. He saw it in, caught it, got in the end zone, touchdown. 
Love seeing a senior from the state of Kansas get into the end zone. Uh, and I'm happy for Sammy Wheeler. I think he underperformed stat-wise to what we all thought he was going to do. I think a lot of us thought you would see one of those you know, big plays, uh, big yardage plays, uh, every game or every other game from Sammy Wheeler. Didn't quite see it. Uh, he only has eight catches for 125 yards, but that was his second touchdown. Uh, but but it was it was great to see him do that versus KU. I don't know if he has another massive play in him. I don't know if he has uh, a touchdown in him for the TCU game. Uh, but he, he is a guy who is more than capable of making the big play. And I think this is what sets this offense apart um, than previous years. You have so many guys who are more than capable of making the home run play, making the touchdown, having the game-changing play, and they all seem to have done it a few times this season. We've seen Phillip Brooks do it. We've seen Malik Knowles do it. We've seen now Sammy Wheeler do it. We've seen Ben Sennett do it. We've seen DJ Giddens and Deuce Vaughn do it. We've seen Will Howard do it. We have lots of guys who are capable and have shown that they can do it, and they're all relatively healthy. That's the big difference in these skill position players this year versus many of the years uh, in ever since uh, ever since Tyler Lockett left. Because Tyler Lockett and Curry Sexton, they were a great combination. Both of them were pretty healthy the majority of that senior year. We now have, and again, none of them are as good. None of them are as good maybe as even Curry Sexton. Curry Sexton, I believe, had a second team All-Big 12 or maybe honorable mention All-Big 12. I don't know if any of them except for Deuce Vaughn are going to make any sort of all-conference list, but they are all capable and they're, they've all shown it and they're all healthy. So I think that's really what's taking this team to the next level. And I loved having Sammy Wheeler get a part of it. Let's get to the wide receivers next. Um, we'll save Malik Knowles for the or for for the last. Both Philip Brooks and Cade Warner got two catch had two catches. Philip Brooks, a senior, got into the end zone, thirty eight yards, long of twenty four. He actually dropped a touchdown, uh, and then there was a second one where he where he was interfered. Then there was a second one. He almost made a circus catch for a touchdown. But he got in there. It was great to see Phillip Brooks get into the end zone twice. Or, or just, it was once. Get into the touchdown. But on senior day, I would love it if Phillip Brooks came back. I don't think Malik Knowles is coming back. Cade Warner cannot come back. I would love to see Phillip Brooks come back, hold down that slot receiver position for another year, help RJ Garcia, help any other newcomers kind of blend into the office. I don't or offense. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I would love to see it. I'd love to see it. Great game from Philip Brooks. Cade Warner made a security blanket catch. It was good. He is a solid wide receiver. Um, I, I'm glad he was able to get a couple catches. I think he will come up. And, and again, I believe it was Cade Warner who went up and kind of made that, uh, you know, Randy Moss style catch, that Sports Center top 10 catch on Will Howard's first touchdown versus TCU. So I like uh, Cade Warner to get back in the end zone this upcoming Saturday. But let's talk about Malik Knowles because he was one of the superstars of the game. Now, he only had two catches for 10 yards, but we did something that I've been wanting us to do more of all season long, and that is him in the running game, him in the jet sweep action. Now, first off, he had one big run that picked up first down. Uh, it was a long of, let me pull that back up. It was a long of 29 yards. It was the second longest rush of the game, and I think the fourth longest play of the game. His ball carrying vision is truly great. In another world, you know, Katy Perry, in another world. Uh, I don't know what song that's from. Is the song in another world? I don't know, but you know, insert Katy Perry here. If we if we had a you know an intern who would do editing and drops for me, this is where I'd I'd drop that little song lyric in. But in another world, Malik Knowles is an all conference running back. His ball-carrying vision, and we see it on kickoff returns, and he almost busted a few of those. 
But we see it on kickoff returns, and we got to see it uh, uh, yesterday with him as a ball carrier, is next level. He's able to find the hole. He's able to go up field and really hit that acceleration button. We saw that on his long run. But then on the two touchdown runs, he basically said, hey, look, the first time I see a hole, I'm going to hit it and get in the end zone. Loved getting the senior in there. Loved getting him involved in the running game. I just think it is so important to get Malik Knowles the ball however we can. Love it for Malik Knowles. Um, offensive line, look, I, I was at the game. Haven't rewatched it. Um, peek behind the curtain. I'm, I'm traveling to Indianapolis on Wednesday. My flight's at 5 a.m. So I'm doing three podcasts uh, today, and then I'm getting uh, two podcasts on Tuesday as well. So we have all five. So I haven't had the chance to go back and rewatch it. I'm not sure if I'm going to get the chance to go back and rewatch it. And really, to get a true feel for how the offensive line played, you have to rewatch it. But there were a handful of times where where they left you kind of scratching your head a little bit. In, in the first half, and this is where I was I don't I don't know if confused is the right word, but in the first half I was scratching my head because I knew we could dominate the Kansas offensive line or defensive line. I knew that we could take care of business in the trenches. And we really just didn't get that running game going at all in the first half. Now, in the passing game, there were a few times um, where we got cooked and we paid for it on both those times. Um, can't, can't, cannot have that happening versus TCU. Uh, but they got cooked on the edge a couple times. And that was frustrating. That was not great. But when you then look at some of the big offensive plays... Where you have Will Howard staying alive. When they ha- when they give him time to move around in the pocket, they were able to have some of those big plays. On the Deuce Vaughn screenplay, they were able to get out there and block for him and help spring that for 80 yards. Fast forward to the second half. We run all over them like we all like I thought at least. I'm not gonna say we all, but like I thought we were going to be able to do two. This KU defensive line. And we dominated them in the second half. So all in all, I think it kind of goes with the entire offense. B minus. And that was good enough to get the job done. But folks, I, I'm I, I it's tough to even talk about that game. I, I'm pumped about it, but I'm just I'm all my focus is still back on that TCU game. I'm I'm hoping we see the best of this offensive line, all that they are capable. They're they're so good. When they're out running, when they're able to get on those linebackers. I hope we are going to be good enough to double and climb up to the next level uh, on some of this these inside plays. And I hope that we're pulling the guys and letting them be athletes and get bodies on TCU defenders. All right, let's get to the defense. But before we do, shout out to Charlie Hustle. I was rocking my Faithful to These Colors t-shirt underneath all my gear uh because charlie hustle i don't have i don't have one of those cool jackets i don't i didn't have any charlie hustle that was rain resistance so that had to be one of my base layers but you know i'll be rocking my charlie hustle crewnecks not only in arlington on saturday but in indianapolis that's right i'm going to hinkle Fieldhouse. To see Drone Tang and the K-State Wildcats take on Thad Mata and the Butler Bulldogs. So you better believe I'll be rocking that not only in Arlington but in Indianapolis as well. The most comfortable and stylish crewnecks in the world. Great t-shirts. They got women cut stuff. They have stuff for kids. Uh, you can check them out at charliehustle.com on the Country Club Plaza and select retailers in Manhattan. Hashtag no free ads, but there's some stuff at uh, you know K-State Superstore as well if you're in Manhattan. But as always, check out charliehustle.com for the freshest gear. Um, I'll say this. Joe Klanderman, there's something about Joe Klanderman in the second half. Basically, except for the TCU game, which I think was more about injuries than anything, 
Joe Klanderman, there's something. I don't know if it's, you know, Mike's secret stuff from Space Jam. I don't know if it's just being able to be a great, you know, counterpuncher on defense. But there's something about Joe Klanderman in the second half. Held KU to only six points in the second half. Held KU to their lowest yards per pass attempt on the entire season. We held KU to one of their worst days on offense, which this is a trend. This is a trend for K-State defenses. That when the game is all said and done, we are holding offenses to some of their lowest per, uh, per play stats on offense. And a lot of it is on the backs of massive second halves. Now, I'm not going to lie, I, I, I was a little bit, you know, hand in head a little bit, you know, giving up 21 points in that first half was a little concerning. Now, forcing the turnover and getting a stop at the end of the first half or getting two stops at the end of the first half, that was big, uh, I think, for the defense. They started getting their confidence. They started getting their swagger back. I was very pleased with uh, the defense. Basically, uh, once they started getting some stops, because early on, outside of the safety, we weren't getting a lot of stops. I think KU got uh, three touchdowns on their first four drives, and... I was a little concerned. I was a little scratching my head. I was like, come on, guys. You know what, what's going on here? But sure enough, they go into the locker room. They come back out. And they absolutely dominate KU's offense. Absolute dominate. They were able to do a good job as a unit for the most part in limiting Jalen Daniels running the ball. They were able to get some pressure on him a few times. They were able to keep him from scrambling. They were able to really shut down Devin Neal and all the running backs in the second half after a very good first half. I'll say this. I like Devin Neal. I think Devin Neal is maybe my favorite KU football player of all time. The kid comes from a great family. The kid is a great athlete. He is a good running back. I wish he was at K-State. But there is a difference between good and great. Devin Neal is good. He is not great. He was not able to make something out of nothing. And I think this is why we are so spoiled with Deuce Vaughn. Devin Neal is a very good running back. And when we shut it down, especially in that second half, he was not making something out of nothing. He was not able to make these big plays when it looks like he might get stopped. He ended up with only 3.7 yards per carry. Yeah, he got in the end zone twice. Good for him. Like, again, I think he is a good, just not great running back. And we were able to shut that down. Now, we are going to be facing a much better running back next week. As we saw the first time we played TCU. So I do have a little bit of concern uh, that he bounced off tackles a few times. He was able to put his head down and pick up the extra couple yards on some of those second and third down plays when he was able to get beyond the line of scrimmage. Uh, but all in all, we kept them in check. Jalen Daniels, 5.3 yards per attempt. 5.3 yards per attempt. Again, this is a guy who is a talented quarterback. I, I, this is not, I'm not going to sit here and trash, uh, KU's offensive skill players. But 5.3 yards per attempt is poverty level stuff. And it's not because he's a bad quarterback. It is because K-State's defense was able to prevent them from getting big plays. They had one yard, one, one, no, I take it back. They had two plays that were explosive in the passing game. One 20-yard reception and one 33-yard reception. That is it. This is a team that thrives on explosive plays. They had three total the entire game. They had a, a Daniels scramble for 25. They had a Grimm catch for 33. They had a Lachlan catch for 20. They didn't have another play. Those were the three plays over 20 yards. And KU fans are going to try to sit here and tell you that, oh, this is close. No, we took away what they want to do. 
They're usually up around 12 to 15 explosive plays a game. They got three. Jalen Daniels, 5.3 yards per attempt. He dropped back 32 times and only had 168 yards. That's because of K-State's defense. He completed 20 of those. 5.3 yards per attempt. Especially in the defense. It was another Joe Klanderman masterclass, especially in the defense. Now, my hope is, because we have seen TCU once before, I'm hoping Joe Klanderman can just be masterclass from the beginning. You know, and hell, we were pretty damn good against TCU in that first half, the first go around. And then we had some of those injuries. I don't have to go back and revisit that, but I think Joe Klanderman is going to have a big time game for us. Let's move to the defensive line. First off, I believe it was Brendan Mott who was able to force that holding call that resulted in a safety. That kid has taken off like gangbusters. Brendan Mott is far exceeding any expectations I ever had for him. He had an absolute massive game. Felix Andy DK Uzama continues to just be a menace. Continues to be held by two guys every play and basically is allowing for everyone else to have one-on-one type stuff. Eli Huggins in the backfield the entire game. Shout out to DeHence also playing well. We saw a little bit of Uso as well. Nate Matlack gets a sack. The only sack we did have. Uh, but I do think we were trying to contain Daniels. Um, w- w- we've seen this with the mobile quarterbacks trying to play contain. I don't love it. I, I want to pin the ear back and get a sack every time. Um, but that's just the scheme we are playing. Um, I was happy for Nate to get that tackle for loss. Felix and DK Uzama did grab another sack as well. We were credited with four quarterback hurries as well. So it's not like uh, n- nothing happened in that realm. Uh, but overall, just a solid game from that defensive front. Again, not a ton of tackles for losses, but you keep them to a super low uh, average per play. Again, I talked about how you know uh, Jalen Daniels, 5.3 yards per attempt. They were only at 4.2 yards per rush. So it's not like they were it's not like they're really doing anything running as well. That second half was an absolute masterclass. Getting to the linebackers, Austin Moore grabbed a tackle for a loss, the machine. Uh Deuce Green, Daniel Green, he was credited with two quarterback hurries. He got two tackles as well. Austin Moore sec- third on the team, excuse me, with eight tackles. Uh Khalid Duke, uh, he had one of the other tackles for loss. He also had a pass breakup. He had three tackles as well. You saw Jake Clifton grab a tackle. Uh, Nick Allen was out there playing as well. Solid game from the linebackers. I think where we have uh, had some issues, and again, uh, I'm using issues a little bit liberally here uh, because they aren't big plays, but the linebackers in, in the soft zone it really is does leave a lot of open space in the middle for the tight ends. I think that is just how college football is. I don't think I, I think any team who is playing as much zone as we uh, have been, especially since the safeties have gone down. I think that it's going to happen. But that's like my big complaint with them, and it's and it's not a big complaint. I think they were flying around. I think they're ready for Saturday. They were hitting with authority. And speaking of hitting with authority, VJ Payne, let's talk about the uh, secondary. Sorry, I didn't really talk much about the linebackers, but look, Austin Moore and Daniel Green, uh, that combination is very good. They're violent. They run around. They're good. Uh, the Topeka Cat, Desmond Purnell, he had a lot of snaps out there. He really moves. I, I think he's he's gotten better and better every single week. And again, Khalid Duke has really taken to that linebacker position. But I, I do think it might be interesting. He might be moving. I, I might consider at least moving him back to edge next year. We'll see what happens. But VJ Payne, starting at safety, again, you're down two of your starters. You're down uh, Kobe Savage. You're down Sincere Mason. 
uh, Sincere Mason was able to walk on senior day. He was bouncing around. I'm not sure what the injury was. I don't know if it has been confirmed, but he was, you know, jumping up and down. He was doing handshakes. Uh, he was very energetic on the sideline, but VJ Payne came up, played big, made absolute massive hits, massive hits, and he was smart about it too. None of them were targeting. He had eight tackles. Drake Cheatham had 10. Josh Hayes had six. Julius Brents had one. Um, Echo Boydo had one. Um, so secondary, for the most part, played well. Again, you gave up the one big pass play. And again, I think uh, Josh Hayes got exposed a little bit there. I think he's a little banged up. I'm not sure what the injury is, but I think he's a little banged up uh, because... Or at least I, I think he has to be because that's the only way I can kind of rationalize how he's uh, had some some of these issues in pass coverage uh, because he has he, he he was so good during the season he's a cornerback back by trade um so I'm not gonna lie I'm I'm a little nervous going into that TCU game uh, because their passing attack they have a lot of weapons in the passing game. Um, so I, I'm a little nervous about that, if I'm being honest. Um, but I think Klanderman will he he will scheme something up. But ultimately, I'm so proud of those safeties who had to play almost the entire game. I think we saw Max Marsh a little bit um, out there at safety. I think we saw T.J. Smith a little bit, but we did not rotate much at all. Uh, the two boundary corners, Julius Brents, Echo Boydo, they're just playing great as always. Echo Boydo got called for an absolute trash. Uh, defensive pass interference call, and I think he might have. They tried to throw another one that got picked up uh, correctly, because no, I think that that second one was Brent's that they picked up. I'm not sure which one it was, but but they are. I they are the best boundary corner duo in the Big Twelve. I don't think anyone can argue that. It, I think you could maybe say, okay, uh, maybe there's a corner that's be- playing better than Julius Brent's. I don't know if he's going to be the first team corner, but I would not be shocked if both of them made all Big 12 teams. They're both that good. Julius Brents, I think, is playing at a borderline All-American level. And Echo Boydo is playing very well. I guess I this is why I can't be an NFL scout. This is why I can't... Because I, I, I don't understand how Echo Boydo isn't, isn't getting invited to a senior showcase. I hope he comes back. I hope I hope he comes back because uh like he he wasn't invited to the senior bowl. It seems like there's not as much buzz around him if you're looking at some of these deep NFL uh mock drafts. But I don't get it because I think Echo Boydo with his speed and size uh I think it translates. I think he is a all conference type player. I hope he comes back. I have no idea if that's in the cards. Um but I would love it if he, he did. Echo just played great once again versus hometown team. And let's get into special teams, actually. Um, again, shout out to the defense. Elite in the second half. But let's get to special teams because here's the other thing. This is something that KU fans bitch about. This is something Iowa State fans bitch about. Oh, man, if it wasn't for special teams, we would be so great. Well, here's the thing. You don't get to say, oh, well, it's just special teams. No. That is a legitimate part of the game. You can't be like, oh, we'd be so good if it wasn't for special teams. You play football for an hour. There's two 30-minute halves. There's four 15-minute quarters. And guess what? They're special teams. You don't get to just be like, oh, we would be great without special teams. No. You're not great. And we made some absolute massive plays on special teams. I'm first going to start with that first punt. That first punt, Ty Zentner, absolute punt god, just a spe- just a kicking god, maybe the best three-way kicker the Big 12 has ever seen. Absolute moonshot, great. Just a small little bobble from KU's returner. And what happens? Echo Boydo's already in that dude's grill, Punching that ball away, and I think he gets the recovery as well. I think he got the recovery. Let's see. Yes, he got the recovery. Shout out to Desmond Purnell, who the other 
uh, recovery. I think it was Austin Moore who punched it out. I could be wrong. Um, I think it was Austin Moore who punched it out and Desmond Purnell who picked it up. But Echo Boydo is there ready to pounce on a muffed punt. Where so many times you see some of these great punts that there's a muff punt and then there's no one down there. But Echo Boydo, who's a superstar, is out there on punt coverage and that's why. And sets up that first touchdown. Ty Zentner, again, great hitting all of his extra points with ease. All of his field goals. Uh, Long was, I guess it was just one field goal. Long of 27. Six extra points. Uh, just perfect, and then perfect on kickoffs. To set up that safety, he hangs up just a beautiful kick. And once again, KU panics on special teams. And Seth Porter shot out of the can and gets down there, tackles him inside of the 10. And then they had a penalty as well that helped set up that safety. Just absolutely great. And then I, I want to give a shout out to Malik Knowles. Malik Knowles, well, I think he had four punt returns or kick returns, averaged 33 yards per, per punt return, was a fraction away of taking into the house each time. Absolutely dominated. We didn't win, we dominated special teams. And no matter how folks try to classify it, you can't be a great team without special teams. Another reason why Iowa State. And KU have not come close to what K-State can be. Absolute massive game for special teams. They're going to be massive on Saturday. All right, let's get to the game awards now. Um, And remember, should be a fun one to listen to Monday morning after you listen to this one. Listen to the 1012 podcast. Listen to our friends at the 1012 pod. Let's hear what Jamie Phillip and Andy Mitz has to say. And hey, I'll say this. I'll say this, I like listening to uh, podcasts of teams I just beat, so maybe you have to listen to Andy Matt, Mitz and the Rock Chalk podcast and see what he has to say about the game. Alright, let's get to it. Game Awards. Well, before we do, shout out to the K-State students. Um, I was just made aware of this on Twitter. They're expecting to sell through their lower-level student allotment. K-State Athletics has ordered an additional 500 upper-deck tickets through the Big 12, and they will be selling them to students at the $50 rate. So shout out to the K-State students getting the job done. All right, game awards. We have the Boneheads awarding two game balls. We have um, the Swagger Sticker as well. Chauncey Bosco, my co-host, he has an award as well, and then I'll be giving out some game balls as well. I am flipping through all the nominations, and it looks like Malik Knowles is getting the offensive game ball. Getting into the end zone, doing more damage uh, running than receiving. I think he had under, I think he had under 60 total yards from scrimmage. But he also, here's the thing, he also had some big returns as well that set up the offense pretty well. He got in the end zone twice. So I think that is a very worthy game ball. Malik Knowles getting the offensive game ball. Going through there. Let's see, let's see. It looks like, looks like the next one is going to have to go to Ty Zentner is getting... The defensive game ball slash special teams. And I think that is a great one. Him being an elite kicker and an elite punter set us up with nine points. Just him kicking the ball. He was also perfect on extra points. Hit his lone field goal. Ty Zentner getting a game ball. Ty Zentner has been getting a lot of game balls and I love it. I love that he is getting a a lot of praise the Topeka product, the Topeka cat, Topeka Ty Zentner, uh, absolute great cat, and I'm so glad he came back for his super senior season. So Ty Zentner getting another game ball, and the Swagger sticker, a lot of different ones. You know, Climbing got a shout out, um, Platner got a couple shout outs. 
All right, it's going to have to go to uh, Random Platner. He got multiple shout-outs, um, and he's the long snapper. He is up. He's a finalist for long snapper of the year award, uh, a national award. He's been perfect snapping the ball. You know, he has that great mullet. He's always doing stuff either with our band or the opposing band. He's always dancing around. He's always bringing the hype. So, uh, and he, this is, he's won, Platner has won multiple swagger stickers this year. Um, so, shout out to him. He is the swaggiest long snapper in the nation. You know, if anyone at K-State wants to, you know, cut that and, you know, do a promo for Platner, you know, do a little hype video for him with all those, like, pictures of him with, like, band stuff, leading, leading the band. Talking about how a long snapper with so much swagger, winning the Swagger Sticker Award multiple times this year. I think someone at K-State could probably fit that into some sort of uh, compilation video when he wins Long Snapper of the Year Award. So that is going to uh, Random Platner. Swaggiest Long Snapper in the league. All right, my game balls, my offensive game ball going to that's going to Deuce Vaughn you know over 220 yards from scrimmage got a touchdown um absolute beast led the team in receiving and rushing just classic Deuce Vaughn um defensive game ball let's go to Echo Boydo um Echo Boydo I thought played very well you know versus his hometown school I think Echo Boydo was very good in pass coverage he was also able to recover that muffed punt. Um, lots of folks could have gotten it on um, defense, but I'm going with Platner. And then swagger sticker is VJ Payne. VJ Payne brought the swagger. He brought the wood. He's a freshman. He's playing lights out. So VJ Payne is getting my swagger sticker. And then the... Chauncey Bosco, he's got that dog in him award is going to go to, who do you want, Chaunce? Okay, he is giving it to Julius Brents. That combination of boundary corners, the thumbs down celebration, the swagger, week in, week out from Julius Brents, he is going to Julius Brents. So, the game awards going to, from the Boneheads, Malik Knowles, Ty Zetner, and Radnan Platner. Swagger sticker, the swaggiest long snapper, Randon Platner. The swaggiest long snapper in college football. My game awards going to Deuce Vaughn, Echo Boydo, and VJ Payne, and Chauncey Bosco's He's got that dog in him award going to Julius Brents. That's all we have, folks. K-State is going to Arlington. 14 straight over KU. The most dominant stretch in the history of the rivalry. They're still not in the same neighborhood as us. And don't let them tell you any different. Folks, we're going to have five episodes this week. Um, I am going to Indianapolis. I'm flying out Wednesday morning, so it is going to be all five episodes will be recorded before I let leave. I'm not taking the podcasting equipment with me, um, so if there's any late-breaking news, we can do a Spotify live room to uh, react to any crazy late-breaking news, um, and then I will enlist some help to get it published, um, but they will all be recorded. Um, stay tuned gonna have five episodes it's gonna be a lot of fun folks this is what it's all about so for every single fan who was at bill snyder family stadium for the final time this season for chauncey the best dog in the world and a great co-host we love you guys and go cats oh yeah we're going to fucking arlington baby it's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on for Kansas.
feel it's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you wanna be. With Kansas State, come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Kansas State, the fun is being there. Having a good time there. Purple and white we share. Showing our colors Podcast Network.